Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to see lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live show that we do every single Sunday to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, what's happening in the news, the things that the media is not telling you, and the lies that the media is telling you. So you can kind of make sense of the world out there. And obviously, we're heading hard into the midterms. And so there's obviously a lot of discussion there that we need to have, a lot of things that we really want to cover. But I want to remind everybody at the top of the show, before we really charge into the news and everything of the week, that for the 30th, for the 30th, which is the next Sunday that we're going to be on, we're going to be doing a Halloween special where we're going to take a break from politics, even though it's extremely close to the midterms. I think everybody deserves a break from the politics, and we're going to talk about spooky stuff. And by that, I would like to have anyone in our audience to share any of their stories or things that they're interested in, particularly if you have a ghost story, I want you to send it to contact at wrongthinkradio.com. If you have a ghost story, Send us an email and we will read it on air because we want to talk about paranormal stuff and spooky stuff right before Halloween. Take a break from politics. That's going to be next Sunday. Send us your stories. Send us some of the old wives tales from where you, you know, grow up, where you live. You know, are are you somebody who lives near the Jersey Devil? Do you have Bigfoot in your backyard? Let's talk about some fun stuff next Sunday. Heading into Halloween, take a break from the politics. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. So uh, I want everyone to kind of join in on that. So that's contact at wrongpinkradio.com. Send us your stories there or the things that you're interested in, things you think we need to look at. But speaking of that real quick, before we dive into the politics stuff, Alan, is there like a cryptid you like? Do you have Mm. like a preference I don't know if it's a specific cryptid, but it's whatever's making all those people disappear in national parks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the missing 411 stuff. You're really, that's a thing. Yeah. That is, yeah. So there's, yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, there's a guy named David Polites that did a bunch of investigation in all of these really bizarre missing cases, missing persons cases in national parks. And going back, it's like a hundred years and there's a bunch of them that are all extremely bizarre, have no explanation and share a lot of very common elements and there's no explanation from it. And it seems like the national park service it actively covers up that this sort of thing happens. That's wild. We should probably, depending on what we get from the audience, because obviously the audience is going to take preference, that might have to be something we drill into. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So look forward to that kind of stuff next Sunday. Um, It's going to be great. Like I said, we're we're heading into the midterms. 
Alan and I had a had a discussion uh, the the other day uh, where, for those of you who who may remember it, if if you guys have been listeners back in 2020, I had an election map. I made up this whole this whole election map on where I thought the election was going to go in 2020. And if you compare it, I'm not bragging, but if you compare it to what occurred in 2020 and the real contentious areas uh, where people are talking about weird stuff that occurred um, in the election, I was spot on. If there was no question, if there weren't constitutional laws changed in Pennsylvania, if there wasn't uh, middle of the night votes coming in in Arizona, uh, I would have been dead on in my forecasting. That's not because I'm super talented or amazing or anything of that nature. It's just how it all kind of ferreted out. So I've been racking my brain over whether or not I wanted to go through the numbers or rather share the numbers um, for the upcoming midterm elections. And see whether or not, you know, I could get it right because it's not, for me, it's not about getting it right. It's more about getting through the bullshit because I think polls are weaponized by the media to lie to people. I think the idea is that they, well, I guess the best way to say it, I think the media uses polls to take away any enthusiasm from the right any enthusiasm from Republicans. That is what media polls do. They tell Republicans, you have no chance in winning. You're not going to make it. Why even go out and vote? Don't you have something better to do on Tuesday? I think that that's what polls are used for. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, I remember in 2016, there was all the polling that said Hillary Clinton was going to win. Hillary Clinton was going to win. Hillary Clinton's definitely going to win. And it all turned out 80%, false. Sorry, 80% yeah. likelihood she was going to win. Wow. Yeah, she had an 80% <laughs> likelihood of winning. 80%. And she lost. So yeah, yeah sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but but go on. I, I wanted to show the, extre mm. the extremity of it. Go on. Uh, no, that was my, my point, was that clearly it, that, well, that made it obvious that these this polling which is supposed to represent this is how most people feel was actually fake news by the media to manipulate how people viewed the election if you're if if the polling says your guy's gonna lose then it would sap say uh voter excitement for that candidate so with that i'm gonna go through some of the senate numbers um, cause I think it's, I, I, I think it's, it's worthwhile. Um, mm -hmm. that's really the best way, the, the best way I can put it. Um, Nevada, interestingly enough, and I'm, I'm going to pull my numbers from 538 because of the, um, some of the averaging that they use. Uh, I'm not saying that they're great. Uh, but 538 is stilted. They've always been stilted, but I understand their, their bend on their forecast. According to their forecast, there is a 55 in a hundred chance that Democrats control the Senate. 
and a 40, therefore a 45 and 100 chance that Republicans control the Senate. And I think they're wrong. Mm, interesting. And my optimistic prediction, and this is going to be kind of the format of the show because we're, we have a whole bunch of stuff about the election and, and I'll explain this. I, I will explain to you all how I've reached this idea. Um, and, and it's using Democrats own words and their own reactions and their own rhetoric to show that I think they are going to lose. Now, control of the majority of the Senate specifically is 51 seats. Okay. So that's the idea. Now, to be fair, it's considered a dead heat according to 531 or 538. I'm sorry, 538. Um, it's a dead heat for the Senate, but they have that 45 and 100 chance Republicans win, 55 and 100 chance the Democrats win. They're calling that a dead heat. Here's how I think the numbers ferret out and where I think ultimately it comes. The, the, I'm, I'm going to do more, some of the more popular races. I'm not going to go through every single one because that's a lot. But uh, I think Herschel Walker wins Georgia. Uh, okay. Right now, the claim is that... Uh, Raphael Warnock is going to win Georgia, the Democrat. I think Herschel Walker, the Republican, wins the Georgia Senate race. The reason why I think Herschel Walker is going to win is because I'm fairly certain that Governor Kemp is going to win, and I don't think Georgia voters split their ticket. I don't think they vote for Republican governor and, oh my gosh, let's have a radical leftist senator. I don't believe that that happens. I don't think that Georgia voters care about Herschel Walker's past because none of it was really a surprise. Whereas Raphael Warnock is a crazed liberal when they thought they were getting a moderate, which we can have our own opinions on why people would be that dumb, but that's that's where I'm sitting. So that's my change there. Pennsylvania, and Alan, feel free to interrupt me if you're interested in any of the races and want to put something forward. In Pennsylvania, according to 538, they say that John Fetterman has a 58% chance of winning. I think that Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, wins the race. I think that telling me that 58% of voters are going to go and vote for John Fetterman, a guy who had a stroke, cannot go in front of television cameras and obviously is all over the place. I don't see it. I, I I think that that's wish casting in the highest order. I think that Pennsylvania voters who voted for Donald Trump as recently as 2016, I don't see Democrats being excited to go vote for John Fetterman, who is obviously mentally compromised. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, Arizona, Mark Kelly, former astronaut against Masters. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, not really, no. We saw a lot of uh we saw a lot of interesting things come out of the debate where Blake Masters did phenomenal in the debate and that's been a common thing across the board in these midterms is the minute that you get these candidates head to head talking the Republican candidates especially the American First candidates sound fantastic. Yep. They are 538 is saying 74% chance that Mark Kelly wins. 
I don't know about this one, but I think it's going to be extremely close. I think Arizona does not get figured out on election night. That's uh, very possible. Now sure. here's I wouldn't put this past is, these people. Well, yeah. So there and there's a lot of questions there, but I think it's going to be very close. And interestingly enough, I'm going to base this on Ohio. Now, why would I base Arizona on Ohio? Why well JD Vance is running against Tim Ryan in Ohio. JD Vance and Blake Masters were put into the same pool of candidates. It was these people, oh my gosh, they're basically the same. These are the horrible candidates that remember, Democrats were going to fund these people. They were going to fund them because they want the uh uh sorry, they they're going to fund these radical candidates to make sure that they win. We saw a lot of these news stories. Uh and this was what the uh the GOP establishment and the never Trumpers were were saying is like, you know, Democrats are actually responsible for a lot of the funding of these crazy election denier QAnon whatever candidates. Um, Blake Masters and J.D. Vance were the top ones that they were talking about. J.D. Vance in Ohio has a 76% chance of winning against Tim Ryan, according to 538, who I think leans left. Okay. So tell me how that happens, but Blake Masters it only has a 20, uh, 26% chance of winning Arizona. I don't think that it works that way. I don't think it does work that way. So that's why I'm going to put it as close. Um, a fun one. I think I, Democrats, I, only get, Democrats are only going to get victories now through massive election interference in areas that aren't solidly blue for, that have been forever. That aren't solidly blue or are? are not solidly blue. It's like Seattle, probably going to still be pretty blue. Like you're still going to be voting for Democrats. Anywhere that's not solidly Democrat and a and there is a potential Republican challenger, I predict a lot of those races are going to go very well for completely obvious and understandable reasons. Mm -hmm. Now, one that I don't think is going to be a surprise to anybody, but is sort of fun to look at is Utah. Because okay. believe it or not, the top vote getter in, or not the the top two candidates being looked at in Utah, not even a Democrat. It's Mike Lee, the current incumbent senator, uh, Republican, versus Evan McMullen, who's running as an independent. Okay. Now, Evan McMullen, for those of you who don't remember was the guy who ran independent against Donald Trump when it was Trump and Hillary Clinton. Most people called Evan McMullen is like the Messiah of the never Trumpers. He ran in 2016, got basically nothing was, was not even was not uh, worth talking about, but he reared his ugly head in Utah because that's where he's from to run against Mike Lee. And just like he did in 2016, the entire point of Evan McMullen's existence is to split a Republican vote so a Democrat can win. Evan McMullen is not planning on being a United States senator. Evan McMullen is trying to get squish Republicans to vote for him instead of someone else so that gets split and the Democrats win. The guy is the definition of controlled opposition, but hilariously, it's so damn blatant 
and the reason why I want to bring this up, and this is, I'll, I'll stop with the whole Senate race idea. The reason why I bring this up is because there were several publications in 2016 to include one that that we've written articles for, redstate.com, where there were a lot of writers that supported the McMullen candidacy in 2016 because Trump was so gross. Yeah. And so I want people to realize and I'm being a little unfair. Well, I'm not being unfair, actually. One of the managing editors at Red State, there was a debate between Mike Lee and Evan McMullen this week where Evan McMullen basically called Mike Lee a terrorist, you know, because of January 6th, because that's all that that's all the left has. Right. And he was calling Mike Lee a terrorist and all this other nonsense and talking about January 6th. And Mike Lee's pretty meh when it comes to being a Republican. He's kind of a middle of the road, you know sort of squished. I'm not saying he's a rhino, but he's just kind of there, right? Um, amazingly, there were so many Republicans who had to come out and be like, I regret that I voted for this guy in 2016. And to be honest, I was shocked. I was shocked at how many people who were writing for publications, people who were like supposed to be experts, advisors, what have you for political thought. I mean, these are people who write for political blogs on the right wing that were admitting they voted for Evan McMullen. And it actually shocked me. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm sounding ignorant at the time, but it's about this, but like, how did anyone fall for this? Because when I saw the Evan McMullen candidacy in 2016, 2015, 2016, I was like, oh, this guy's controlled opposition. Like he's just there to split the vote. So Democrats win. Like, I, I don't know how anyone, like this guy's a joke. No one's going to take this dude seriously and just moved on from it. But then finding out that there are people who are supposed, who write from, they write articles from the standpoint of, I understand politics more than the common man. The common man should read my articles because that's where they will get, uh, advice on the political future of this country and they fell for it. It's just horrifying to me. It's very hard for me to digest because it really shook the idea of like, God, so many of these idiots fell for this crap. I, who the hell can I even trust? Yeah. Well, and I think a lot, I think a lot of us have very seriously underestimated the, the, both the resolve of our enemies in, intentionally confusing the voter base and being and the idea of there being controlled opposition as well as i mean just the general naivet naivety of republican voters i think is something that is hard to reconcile and i think it's getting a lot better but unfortunately i think a lot of conservative voters were essentially be, had become very complacent and did not adequately understand the threats, the insidious insider threats and traitors that lurked within the Republican Party. And I believe we're waking up to that fact. I was I was fooled just like a lot of people, uh, especially in, you know, years past. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, for me, 
it does really suck because there were several there were several people that I would regularly read or listen to that ended up on the never Trump side. Well, in you and I've talked about this before, but the several uh, content creators who early on, I'll just call it out like Ben Shapiro, who wanted to split the difference in the beginning of the Trump administration and play his like good Trump, bad Trump. I'm going to call it. I'm going to call balls and strikes, man. And then he yeah. realized that it's like, yeah, the left is evil, dude. Like it doesn't also, matter all of his complaints about Trump were always dumb. That was the <laughs> other one. It's none of these people had a good complaint about Trump. Like he supports tariffs. Okay, at best you can say tariffs are like the tariffs in America First economic policies are at most debatable. And so we're saying like, oh, that's the worst thing about him from a policy perspective is he's got some ideas that may or may not be good. Okay, well, the left wants to cut off children's body parts and mutilate them. So I don't give a shit about economics. I care about that. Like, <laughs> right. I care about that they want to kill children. So it's baby killers, Trump, with <laughs> baby killers versus tariffs. Like, okay, well, which one are we? And then I watched right-wing commentators spend so much more time on Trump and his tariffs, and he had this mean tweet. And that's how I knew. It's like, oh, these people are controlled opposition. These people are leftists that want to maintain the left-wing status quo so they can keep their cozy job complaining about it. These people are yeah. not my allies. These people are in league with the enemy. And what's amazing about that is because of how psychotic everything has gotten, uh, the the one of the gathering places for the never Trumpers. And when I say never Trumpers, I am talking about people who were high up in administrations. Like we make fun of Bill Crystal, who's one of the head, you know, head guys of the never Trump movement. And he started a, a publication known as the bulwark. And that that's like after the weekly standard closed down because it was so terrible and people stopped reading it. I need people to understand this man worked in Republican administrations. He was an advisor to George W. Bush. He was in a vice presidential administration position. He wrote the nation building concept for the war in Iraq. This was this isn't just some dummy who says dumb things on the media. This was someone who was advising presidential campaigns and presidential administrations. Right. This is and so he started the bulwark and he got several uh, people that that have worked with him throughout the years to get together and write this publication that's basically this never Trump anti America first publication. This is from from today. This is a quote from a an article that they're trying to uh, push out. This is the tweet. One of the subtle evolutions of American conservatism under Donald Trump has been the transformation of gun culture from an enthusiasm for freedom to a mechanism for instilling fear. And this is a conservative publication. The, the, claim, the claim of the bulwark is that they are principled conservatives. You know, everybody else gets it wrong. If you voted, for, you know, like what David French and some of these other people say, if you voted for Donald Trump, you're not a real conservative. So these people are all just traitors in controlled opposition. That's uh, why do I care what any of them have to say? They should be 
Like there's no reason to pay attention to any of them and they just should be dismissed at every turn. And I, I think the greatest part about it is it's, it's funny because you know, there's a lot of people that are like, well, did you support George W. Bush? Cause that's a huge, that is a huge talking point on the right. You see this a lot, Alan, from, um, from the aspect of like, sort of the new right when it was coming up in, in the early, like, uh, 2015, 2016 was a lot of people were like, yeah, but George W. Bush was awful. And I remember you and I would have a lot of discussions about it. Cause I was like, well, you know, like I thought he was pretty okay, you know, stuff like that. And then now yeah. that you really look at it at like yeah. post, let's say post Trump, you had people like the bulwark. Those people were advising Bush. Look at how quickly they have turned on everything that was considered a fundamental principle for conservatism or a fundamental right. Not even that. It's not a fundamental principle of conservatism. Things that they said were fundamental American rights and human rights. Yeah. But, but the, one, the one thread that remains the same is basically everything that is pushing the neocon slash liberal worldview is the only thing that they is the only principle they actually care about and and again it's like if you look back at the bush years if you look at bush now it's like he's taking pictures with obama he's cozying up to all of these people that supposedly were his enemies when he was in office and now he's cozying up and supporting all of these people against Trump. And that tells me a lot about George W. Bush and obviously like Trump and this sort of rejection of the neocon right wing. Yeah. And, and with that being said, now I've got some audio clips that I'm going to start going through here because I have a concern. I'm what I'm what I was telling you guys basically what I was building up here was the idea of I think that there's going to be a bloodbath in the midterms. Um I am projecting now I don't think I need to clear it out. This is supposed to be like our our whole shtick here for this podcast is we're normal Americans talking to normal Americans. I'm not I don't work in DC for a policy think tank. I don't you know, I, I didn't go get a degree in political science, uh, but I, I see things and I pay attention to things. And honestly, I know what regular Americans think and I know how regular Americans feel, which makes us unique to the majority of political talk um, is regular Americans and not DC think tanks. My projection is obviously I don't think there's any doubt that the house goes into Republican hands. Not even the liberals can fake that. Um, mm -hmm. now we have to put the caveat in, um, this is assuming that Biden doesn't declare martial law because of some new COVID strain and shuts down the elections or something. No, uh, it'll which be I, Russian saboteurs. Yeah. Russian so we have saboteurs. To declare martial law and not have the election because there's Russian saboteurs loose in America. Mm-hmm. We have now, incredible that, threat reporting that they're going to target the election. Now, that conspiracy theory comes out every single election that whatever president is in power, the opposite party always claims that they're going to shut down the election. Normally, I dismiss those things. 
But then again, normally the Department of Justice isn't arresting the political opposition of the president of the United States and his party. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of these things are conspiracy theories until they aren't. Right. But I think that we could be looking at a 54 seat GOP majority in the Senate. Yeah. So mark it down. Maybe I'm wrong. I... I'm just a guy. Possible. And that's not me trying to uh, hedge my bets. I think that there's going to be a 54-seat majority in the uh, in the Senate, uh, and obviously Republicans take the House. The question is, is what happens the day after that election? I'll tell you this much. Uh, the day after the election where Republicans sweep Congress, suddenly the... Uh, media will discover that we're in a recession. So that will happen. Yeah. The media will finally admit we're in a recession and then they will blame the Republicans in Congress, probably before they even actually start in Congress. I don't think they're Possibly. smart enough to wait until the actual new Congress starts in January. I think they're they're going to be stupid and be like, oh my God, the, the, the economy's in a recession because these big, mean, evil Republicans. Now, Alan had a very intelligent thought last night when we were doing our show prep about one of the biggest problems that's going to be faced by the Republican Congress when they take over in January. And that yeah. is the end result of them fixing the problems. But I'll, I'll let you tell it to them, Alan. Yeah. So, one of the things I was thinking is if, let's say, we get a Republican majority. Let's just let's say it's what let's say it's some complete just domination. We get a Republican House. We get a Republican Senate. It's a bunch of these awful America First candidates. Oh no! And then they implement policies that make the country a better place. Well, that almost assures a Republican victory in twenty twenty four. So, would it not would not surprise me if? Or, no, sorry, sorry, that would almost ensure a Democrat victory in 2024. Why? Because Joe Biden could then say at the end of his first four years in office, look how amazing the country's going. Essentially because he stopped interfering with a bunch of policies reversing the trend of decline that he is managing. So I could see a bunch of neocons that hate Trump. Let's say Trump is the candidate in 2024. A bunch of neocons that hate Trump going, oh my gosh, we need to capture the House and Senate. We need to reverse all of these policies and do as good a job governing the country as humanly possible to make it as successful a nation as we possibly can so that in 2024, we have a chance to defeat Donald Trump. It's almost like the, the only way to get these people to do their job governing the country properly is to make it too scary for them to to lose the next election. And it is rather telling that the scariest thing to a lot of these congressmen and senators, apparently, is a guy of their own party retaking the presidency. So, I, I mean, there is potential that we're going to see a big reversal in the way the United States government operates the closer we get to 2024 to try and make things good enough that you don't get a massive amount of people abandoning the Democrat Party in the 2024 election. 
Most people don't pay attention to what Congress and the Senate does. We've been trained over the last few decades by the media to only pay attention to what is the administration doing. Every single thing that happens in the country, good or bad, is a reflection on the administration. The vast majority of normal people don't know, care, or have any inkling about a Democrat or Republican-controlled House and Senate, what they're doing and how their policies are affecting them. Everyone only talks about what the presidency does, and everything is always only attributed to the presidency. So if a Real bunch quick. of never-Trump Republicans want to ensure Trump loses in 2024, they will work as hard as they can to make the country as good as possible so that the normal voter attributes all of those positive things to Joe Biden. And, of course, even your America First candidates and, you know, not garbage Republicans are also going to want things to be better because they're good people. <laughs> right. That's right. So we're in this interesting uh, point here where let's say Republicans take the House and Senate and then make a, make the country better. They open up drilling again. Well, we... The gas prices get lower, inflation gets under control, we stop spending, sending billions of military aid to Ukraine. Like, let's say we get the whole list of things that we want. The border gets taken care of. It's like all the things that Republican voters are electing these people for, they actually end up doing, which would be in itself just fantastic. But then we'd be left with, well, then what are the Republicans going to run on in 2024? And it would not surprise me if there were some Republican strategists out there saying, well, guys, let's pump the brakes. We need to make sure the country is still in dire straits. There's still a bunch of crises going on in 2024 so that we can win the election. We can't solve everything now for, oh, come on, guys. That'd be, how do we win the next election if there's not a crisis we can stand on the backs of? So would it surprise you if a bunch of Republican strategists either solve problems to torpedo trump or ensure problems keep existing to ensure they can win the election with the least amount of effort i don't know but it's i my trust that congress is congress or any of these politicians are actually going to do what is right for the country versus what is right for them is not very high so what you're what you're really hitting on here, I think, is is something that a lot of our audience and, and regular people can really identify with, which is you still just don't feel like any of these politicians are working for you. You think that may, maybe even when good things happen, there's got to be some other selfish reasoning for Congress to have passed something that even if it helps you, because what you're fundamentally saying is, these people are selfish. They're in it for themselves. They're part of this mono, this mono party, and it's all about self ingratiation. Pretty much, I I don't yeah. trust that they will actually do what they say they're going to do. That they don't actually value the country the way they do. I think they view everything as this competition for money, power, and resources, and the 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 needs of America are uh, will always come second. And what's amazing about that, you just said that, our audience is probably nodding their heads vigorously hearing you say that because, duh, right? I mean, it makes sense. I don't think anyone in D.C. gets that. 
I think that's why all of this is so dumb. I think that this is why Democrats have no idea how to message. I think that this is why for the longest time until recently, Republicans had no idea what to do. I think it's part of the reason why Trump was so ascendant in the Republican Party, because he was just like, yeah, they don't trust you. And he just ran on a whatever, the, you know, almost to the extent of whatever these assholes over here say, we're just not going to do that. Let's just not do that. And we'll already be awesome. And people really loved the message, which was whatever DC wants is bad. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, and it's still amazing to me because they still don't get it. Well, the thing is, even if they do get it, how, what, why would they change tactics? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Who else are we going to vote for? Yeah. Who's going to stop us, man? Um, yeah. No, you're not my, my wrong. My hope, my hope is that we get a, a bunch of people in power that are on, say, the Republican side that are these awful Trumpy candidates. Ooh, and those people will stop playing this establishment game, the likes of Mitch McConnell and all these other people. That's well, my hope I, I... is that they get in, we get enough of those people in the government that it upsets the apple cart and forces that little game that they've been kind of dancing the country to it forces that to stop or at least changes the calculus well see and therein lies why i'm making the predictions i'm making is i think that with the dumb assery of dc consultants not understanding what americans are at because you would think that that the establishment i don't let me rephrase I don't think the establishment does get it. I don't think that they understand it. Like you said, even if they do, like, wh why would they stop? I don't think they do because they wouldn't stop to your point, but they would, their tactics would be different and better. And it wouldn't be obvious enough for two guys like you and I to point it out and show how obvious it is. They would be better at hiding it if they truly understood I think that this is why the establishment, as it were, in the Republican Party wanted to stop candidates like J.D. Vance or Blake Masters or even Herschel Walker. I think that that's why a lot of these Senate candidates were ones that they didn't want because they're not going to be part of that. They're not part of the club. You know, they, they're, they're not sitting at the table during the discussions. And I think, I think that it's hubris. I think that the establishment has hubris and they didn't learn anything. And by the establishment, I mean, I mean the mono party, both the, 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 uh, the rhino Republicans and the Democrats. I don't think they learned a damn thing from 2016. I probably, think that they sat yeah. they sat there and they went, yeah, it was probably Russia because it couldn't have possibly been us, <laughs> like or something. I don't know, but I don't think they learned anything. Um, and I'll prove it. Let's let's go into some of these audio clips. So Joe Biden, I I wanted to pull the audio, but it it didn't really as audio. It didn't sit well. Biden did an interview. Uh, this week, or at least it was released this week. And the viral clip from the interview from MSNBC 
was Biden being asked if he was going to run again. And the interviewer asked him uh, whether or not his wife supported it. And Joe Biden disappeared for a bit. But I honestly think that it was edited. That looks like he fell asleep. Yeah, it looks like he like fell asleep. And I think they edited it down to make it seem like it was a few seconds, but I think it was longer than a few seconds. The reason why is in this, the, 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 the interviewer is like, is Dr. Biden for it, for him running again? And it's like silent. It looks like he falls asleep. And then you hear the interviewer go, oh, oh, like, like he's like, Mr. President. Oh, 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 boy. oh, 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 dear. Yeah. And that doesn't happen within a few seconds. That happens in like a, oh God. You know what I mean? Like, is he, yeah. is he okay? And then somebody's like, I don't know. They they said the the Q word for the robot or whatever to get him, <laughs> to get him to wake up. I don't I don't know. Point is, um, it was very awkward. It doesn't translate well to audio. But in that same interview, um, the interviewer from MSNBC asks Biden about the concerns of the American people. Uh, in the most ugh, in the most down on your knees wiping joe biden from your chin way of even though you're super awesome why are these idiot americans so dumb not to recognize how awesome you are most yeah. most people sorry raccoon six is saying his battery died <laughs> so oh, yeah. he had to come get recharged <laughs> um but this in this in this response, the big lead that everybody used was uh, Biden basically saying he doesn't trust the polls. Fine. That's not the big takeaway I got from this explanation. So I'm going to stop the audio midway because I want to point something out that I think is extremely important for people to pay attention to. Uh, but but here's that piece of the interview. Backline uh, earlier today, you dropped it here just a moment ago, but the full line was mega, mega trickle down. Um, surely you consider your student loan forgiveness program um, to be an antidote to that. But th- here's a problem, I think, for you and, and Democrats. Despite all the good economic news, low unemployment. Rec- Sorry, here it is. Despite how great you're doing. Record job creation, um, wage increases, Social Security, um, cost of living adjustment to 8.7 percent, the highest in 40 years. That's the lead. Now, I, I want to, uh, we'll, we'll get to the rest of the clip. One of the things he is giving Biden as an accolade, Social Security cost of living adjustment of 8.7%, the highest yeah. in 40 years. Oh, so I, cost of living has gone up 8.7%, the highest in 40 years. Uh, see, there, there, so that was easy for you to figure out, right? Is that yeah, a why good is that, thing? Why was that increase necessary? <laughs> Since when? Like, you had to increase Social Security by 8.7% so old people wouldn't starve to death. How is that a good thing? Where's the good part? Yeah. Can you? Well, and we all know this? it's true. We all know that inflation has gone up. Everything's gone, gotten more expensive. There seems to be no 
and we all know why. It's not because it's it's because they basically destroyed the American energy independence, and then they irresponsibly printed bazillions of dollars over COVID with zero oversight. The government completely did it, put us in this situation, and now they are trying to dodge all the blame for it. I know I don't need to say this, but I, I, I want to say it so it's said. I, I don't mean to offend anyone in the audience, but if cost of living for Social Security has to be up to 8.7%, which means that cost of living has gone up 8.7%, that means unless you are making at least 9% more than you were last year, you are losing money. Your income yeah, has I, gone down. Understand this is why I absolutely hate the idea that inflation is some sort of just natural process that we're all supposed to just deal with as though it were a force of nature. Like it, Inflation is contrived and allowed to keep existing because it helps extremely wealthy people and the government and the Fed balance their books with sp spending essentially less money. It's like you can write off gigantic loans and end up not paying them back as well because you just inflate the currency and they go, oh, well, now I only still owe you a bazillion dollars, but it's now half as much because I just inflated the currency out from under you. Like the idea that inflation is totally natural and something that's just exists like the wind in the sun, <laughs> I think is absolutely a lie that is perpetrated by the people that encourage inflation in order for people to not have a negative reaction to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much of the school that inflation is what happens when a government meddles in an economy. And our forefathers knew this, which is why they were like, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's so. And things like this. They know, We know they printed more... Something, it's something insane. It's like 60... 60 plus percent of all dollars in existence are less than two years old. Mm -hmm. They just, they, they had a, they had a, they turned on the money printer in 2020 and just irresponsibly printed and printed and printed and printed knowing full well, like these people are professional economists. They have entire staffs full of professional economists running numbers, doing the accounting, telling them exactly what these things are going to do so they can all get ahead of it with their own investments. They, they knew what they were doing, they intentionally did it, and now they're trying to hide it because they're all benefiting from it. Well, yeah, and, and a big reason for that is the fact that everybody, every economic school in the United States teaches the Keynesian model, which is, hey, you know the bullshit that we're suffering from right now that has caused this record inflation and all of these problems? That's considered sound economic strategy because everyone learns Keynesian economics. Right. It is the whole liberal world order is built on Keynesian economics. The economic theorem that if the government controls the money, it is the best way. That, that's, that, that's the foundation of it. Keynesian economics is based on the idea that the government will be able to control market volatility through its uh, interference. Yeah. And all I'm going to say now, just understand that for like 50 years or more, this has been a, a theorem and school of thought in economics. Everybody who has a degree 
in economics learned this methodology. And so I have a very serious question. How's that working out for y'all? Uh, it, it depends on who y'all is, because it's working out really well for the people that set up the game. <laughs> well, that largest that, wealth transfer in human history happened in 2020. They know that that happened. We know that they know that it happened. And now they're just covering it up because there's absolutely no mechanism we have to redress that. Because essentially, because since they own the media, they can just get away with it. And they, I think that's one of the reasons why we find ourselves in such essentially conflict amongst ourselves in the United States is it is a giant distraction from the wholesale looting and destruction of the of America by this group of global financiers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you're the guy pulling the strings, you're going to pull the strings in your direction. Yeah, and pull the strings so that you don't get the inevitable counterreaction and Nuremberging that you absolutely deserve. So now... I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to finish this clip because it, it also reveals something that I find interesting. Here's the rest of that interview uh, and Joe Biden's answer to the, I know you're super great, but why don't people see how super great you are? Um, and also whatever the hell mega MAGA is, which uh, God, I'm so over hit, uh, over Joe Biden, just adding superlatives to MAGA, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Let me just, uh, here's the rest of that clip. And yet, poll after poll shows that the, uh, American, the American people trust Republicans on the economy and think that Republicans should control Congress. How do you, how well, do you first break of through all, that? I'm not sure about the polls. Because, you know, the way people conduct polls today, it's hard. 90% of it is you get on a telephone where you have to call seven times to get somebody to, to answer the phone, number one. Number two, a lot of what we've done and we've passed has not kicked in yet. For example, you know, we have all this money to rebuild the highways, bridges, Internet, et cetera. But it's going to take time. It's not all happening overnight. It's not like we passed the law and all of a sudden the highways and bridges are all functioning. It's not like we're in a position where we're saying no senior, which we do, is going to have to pay more than $2,000 a year for their drug costs. Even so, some are paying 13, 14, 15 with help of their families because of cancer drugs and the like. It hadn't kicked in. It doesn't kick in until next year. So a lot of what we've done, people are, are hurting. They're hurting because, you know, when you, when you take away that margin for people sitting around the kitchen table and they're paying, you know, three times as much or two times or one and a half times as much for the gasoline, it matters. I grew up in a family where when that occurred, it was a discussion at home. A couple things. Huh. <clears throat> um, yeah. Number one, to Alan's point, well, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're going to do, it like it hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, but you spent the money. Yeah. You spent the money, and that's what caused the inflation. So basically, he's like, well, yeah, I mean, we caused all the inflation, but nobody's gotten the the nice part yet. And the nice part is supposedly roads and bridges. To that point, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring up an, uh, another story uh, real quick in, in reference to infrastructure, because I okay. think infrastructure projects are uh, a giant money laundering scheme, and uh, I'm going to prove it. <laughs> San oh, Francisco... Yeah. 
is going to build a toilet, build a has public built. toilet or has built. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. They, they have built a public toilet and it cost $1.7 million. Yeah. There is zero reasonable explanation for why building a toilet costs $1.7 million. Somebody oh. stole all of that money. I disagree. I think there is a very good explanation, which is grift and corruption. <laughs> it's the same explanation, Alan. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, are we, is there a debate? I don't think there's a debate here. From anyone. No. It's it's South Africa levels of government dysfunction is rapidly creeping into every aspect of the functioning of American society. Fantastic. I mean, for example, oh, we'll, we'll spend all this money. People just need to be patient. President Kennedy announced we were going to, uh, announced the formation of the Apollo program in 1961, and we were landing a man on the moon in 1969. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, little people don't see what's happening. No, people do see what's happening. They see that your billions of dollars you're spending on these things are producing almost nothing because that, like this public toilet in San Francisco, most of that money is getting siphoned off, is getting redirected, is getting essentially stolen through the massive government bureaucracy and corruption that is all government projects now, it seems, and we don't get anything for it. It's like, how many of the billions we're earmarking for Ukraine is just a way to launder taxpayer dollars into the hands of defense contractors, which then donate it back to political campaigns of the politicians that earmark the funds? Mm -hmm. So, again, all of this is a, like everything Joe Biden's talking about here is a distraction from the reality we know is true, that the country is essentially being looted and all of this political nonsense is essentially just cover for that wholesale looting of the United States. Now, <clears throat> I do agree in a sense with what Biden says here. He says, like, I, first of all, I don't trust these polls. You know, they're calling people and, it, you know, you have to call them seven times, blah, 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 whatever. I, I also do not trust the polls, which is why at the beginning of this program, I went through 538 and told you where they're wrong and why I think it's going to be a bloodbath and that Republicans are going to win the Senate. We're just not on the same solution point. Because you understand that that MSNBC interviewer is the kind of person who runs the runs the poll. The, right. oh my God, Biden, you're so super great. Why don't these dummy dumbs realize how great you are? Those are the types of people who are writing these polls. So yes, yeah. he's correct. They're wrong, but they're not wrong in the way that he thinks. Yes, even Democrats are concerned about the economy and you're too busy having weird, creepy, tranny TikTok stars show up at the White House. You're too busy talking about sending another billion, however many billions to Ukraine and talking about starting World War III. Or you're too busy literally telling Americans that they're full of shit. 
understand that the, the entire predicate of this guy's question is aren't Americans stupid for being concerned about being able to afford stuff? Why don't they just accept how great you are? And what's amazing is this thought process is pervasive throughout the Democrat party because here's the speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi saying Good the morning. same. So oh, I'm so ah, saying the same thing. Here's Nancy Pelosi this week, also on MSNBC. So let's talk about rising inflation concerns along with crime, giving momentum, new momentum to Republicans after the Democrats were closing the gap. Now, real quick, I want you to understand the framing of the question. I'm sorry to, to do this so much, but understand the framing of the question. The issue isn't that that uh, inflation is rising. The issue isn't crime. The issue, according to the way she framed the question, is that it's helping Republicans. Not that you're Rough spending order. more in the store. Not that you're more concerned about the safety of your family and your children. It's that, but it's helping Republicans. That's the problem in her sentence. The issue is that it's helping Republicans, not that it's happening. Anyway, here we go. The historic gap. Yes. So... After the Supreme Court ruling, there was huge outrage. That has seemed to subside, at least among overriding concerns. Despite all the legislative accomplishments, and I, I want to cite them, I want to you know, say it's been an extraordinary session. You and the president have done so much in terms of domestic concerns, the economy. So why is this message, why do you think the president has gotten this message through the voters? Another thing all of your legislative accomplishments, I'm going to cite them. And then she doesn't because there aren't any. Yeah. Like when I was, when I was cutting this for the show, I was like prepared with my, my pen and paper. Like, okay, I'm going to, we're going to take her legislative accomplishments. We'll, we'll tick them off. We'll go through how they're bad. And then she doesn't do it. She just said it happened. I'd be interested right. for somebody to tell me what they were but we've covered them plenty of times on the show. There aren't any. Anyway, let's go. Well, first of all, uh, let me say uh, that I think that much of what you've said, I don't agree with. That is okay. to say the New York Times poll, I think, is an outlier poll. You just cite one poll, but all the other it's polls. It's also the real clear different... politics average no. is showing similar issues. No, but, they, but that was one that brought down the average, and it was an outlier. It wasn't okay. even that big a sample. So I, I dismiss that. Uh, I've been, uh, since Congress adjourned, I've been in an average of five states a week. And I can tell you uh, that women's concerns about their freedom are very, very much still very significant in terms of how they will vote. In fact, 80% of people who care about a woman's right to choose say they will vote, they will determine who they vote for. So again, uh, Washington has always been, oh, the Republicans are going to win, there's no question, for a year and a half. Now that that has diminished in terms of that certainty, and there is a, a real race on, the Republicans are pouring endless money, dark undisclosed special interest money into the campaigns, but we're holding our own. It's a matter of who turns out to vote. <laughs> Dark undisclosed money. Um, yeah. First of all, 
if there was a law passed today to to force there to be no super PACs, no dark money, as they say, it would harm Democrats by a far higher margin. And you know how I can prove that? Democrats at any moment with control of the House and the Senate right now could have passed any legislation to stop it, and they haven't. Why? Because it benefits them. Mm-hmm. So there, there's number one. Number two, what world is Nancy Pelosi living in? Like, I I, she's just, yeah, you know, I, I, I think what she is saying here is that abortion is a bigger issue for every single American. Every single American abortion is a bigger issue than being able to afford food and clothes and gas. Yeah. There's zero way that's true at all whatsoever. There's just, just zero way. Regardless, there, Alan's Alan said this uh, on last week's show, and it's very prescient, which is, yes, like there can be plenty of, let's say, women that are upset over the road decision. But as time has gone on and they've realized that they're not being forced to dress as a handmaid and they weren't going to get an abortion anyway, they've realized that it doesn't actually have an effect. But what does have an effect is the fact that they have to adjust their budget and things are not going well. So the oppression that they were promised by the left hasn't occurred, but all the issues have. Right. And so they're in denial. yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. I think the vast majority of people don't care that much about abortion. I think that that's a, it's an ancillary concern that they'll complain about at parties, but don't think about in their everyday life because it's honestly, I buy gas a lot. Everybody buys gas more than they go get abortions. Oh. <laughs> and that's true for pretty much everything else. The negative things that the Democrat policies are have, have brought and are bringing to the United States are so much more prevalent than whatever the right has tried to ban. And ooh, so... Of course, people care about that more. It's like when they go to the store, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, you're paying more money and you notice that. And really like abortion for is a great example because it's it's such a it's such a decadent bourgeois sort of thing to care about. And again, I think most people have never been serious about abortion. It's only something that they performatively say they care about but not something that they actually care about. It's not something that they think about on a daily basis, but they do think about how much they're spending on gas, how much they're spending on food. That, And I think everybody gets stressed out looking at the situation. I think more than whatever we've seen, more than however gas prices have fluctuated, more than however food prices have fluctuated, more than even the housing market has inflated, more than any of that. I think, well, maybe all of those things together create this sort of storm that, I certainly look at, and I think a number of other people look at on either side of the political aisle and go, I feel anxious about the future of the United States, and I really, really want to feel some uh, some stability and positivity morning, that things are going to improve. And I think a lot of people do not feel confident 
or at least feel very anxious that things are going to get worse. And that is something that Democrats cannot and will never address. And that feeling, the feeling that things are going to get worse and that no one at the helm is capable or interested in making it better, that is a bigger driver for people to be less enthusiastic about the Democrat Party than anything about abortion. Now, one of the other things I have to point out, and I'm going to have to try to rush through this because there are several other things that we want to hit on uh, in the show, but I, I I want to give this its due because, well, one, we're not doing um, a regular show next week, but I want to get everything kind of midterm-wise uh, schluffed out because there are some concerns I have because I'm also seeing... I'm seeing the media kind of hint towards things that I think should be a, a cause for concern. But one of the other things that we're noticing from the media here is this sounds an awful lot like begging from the media of like, hey, Democrats, can you guys please recognize this issue? This is a big issue. I, I'm I'm getting nervous. Can you please recognize it? And the response, so you have the president of the United States and the Speaker of the House are both having media personalities while still being lapdogs are also going like, hey, the economy is a concern. Can you say something on it? And the response that they're getting from the political leadership of the Democrat Party is, yeah, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, and that, like, uh, I don't think that's good. I don't think that makes people excited or really uh... – doesn't make at least I yeah excited maybe the wrong it doesn't make people excited or feel any less nervous. Yeah, and that's not the primary cause for concern, but I'll get to that in a second. I want to play a clip here from Chris Hayes from MSNBC. Uh, there's a lot of MSNBC this this go around, but they they were particularly deranged uh, this last week. Uh, this is Chris Hayes not only admitting that Joe Biden is draining the strategic oil reserve for the United States of America for political reasons. So he's admitting it. He's also championing it. And he's giving away uh, all the cards on what to expect the day after Republicans sweep Congress and how it's really not going to look good. Um, because I think that his viewpoint is exactly how a lot of liberals view this upcoming election, and I think it's very dangerous. Here's Chris Hayes on MSNBC. Oil companies, OPEC, Saudi's not exactly eager to make sure prices are low before an election where Democratic candidates are vulnerable. It's also why Saudi Arabia might want to suddenly announce a cut in oil production right before the midterms. Of course, Democrats can't just throw their hands up and say, oh, well, because... The future of American democracy is in, as we report night in, night out on this program, real peril, existential peril. One of the two major parties is currently under the thrall of a guy who tried a violent coup unsuccessfully, but has basically announced he'd do it all over again. By one analysis, 60% of Americans will have an election denier on their ballot this November. The stakes in the upcoming elections are the highest they've been in a very long time. This is the first po post election in America. We cannot expect threats to democracy to be the only salient issue for voters, even if it is salient for a lot. I mean, you know, there's millions of voters and people have complicated and busy lives and they've got things they're thinking about when they go to the polls, like the cost of living, inflation. And yes, gas prices, the one price in America that is posted on every street corner, those digits, they are going to be front of mind for voters. 
And so we find ourselves in a situation where keeping gas prices low is key to preserving and strengthening the future of our democracy. And so here we are. Hence Biden releasing oil from the reserves today. And all this speaks to what the future of our elections will look like. Because it's you can't just count on one thing to preserve American democracy. You can't just count on the voters to vote for it. And you can't just count on the courts. And you can't just count on civil society. It's going to require a broad coalition of factors. People being smart and tactically astute, all working together across the spectrum of civil society to preserve the American experiment. Uh, there is right now an anti-democracy. Ah, so question. What does democracy mean in this clip? Sorry, what does say the that again? American project mean in this clip when he describes it? What, what specific, <laughs> what, is, what, is the, what definitions would they be working off of there? Yeah, there's that. There's also the, the question of... You, He's saying the words democracy, but then he's he's saying it can't just be voters. Yeah. I did think it was interesting how he specifically mentions like, we can't just rely on the courts and like these other things to preserve democracy. We have to rely on voters. Like, well, if we're all, if, if we vote in a such a way that no, regardless of the outcome, that would be considered democracy, supposedly. Right. Seems seems weird, right? Seems very on brand for progressives and liberals because everything they do is cloaked in deception and it's always been designed to override public sentiment in favor of their strategic political gains always it's like america never had a real we talked about this the other day if you look at the presidencies and you excuse carter as a aberration post nixon being framed for a bunch of corruption america never had a real democrat president until bill clinton like america overwhelmingly voted for nixon overwhelmingly voted for Reagan. It's like America is a much more conservative country than we've ever been led to believe, which is exactly why these, these sort of people, the progressive movement has tried to suppress and twist democracy at every turn. They don't actually want democracy. They want to win and they use fears about our democracy essentially as a way to trick people into giving up to trick people into their you know giving up their rights to giving up the, their freedoms to giving up the country that they were given mm-hmm. and it's amazing because they i mean just the authoritarians like dude Biden's DOJ is arresting people for singing outside of abortion clinics they are putting protesters on trial in, in almost the most smug and blatant show 
of a double standard and two-tier justice system where people have burned cities to the fucking ground based off of things said by MSNBC hosts, and then you're arresting grandma for walking around with an American flag in Congress. In the people's house, for God's sakes. And calling that, this is our first election since the coup. Oh, we have people are election deniers. Oh, it's a big deal. I mean, I watched January 6th happen. And it was not a coup. It was some people was the walking coup around ever. in we the have... Capitol. It was, it was people invited into the Capitol by the police who walked around and one guy wandered out with the lectern while waving, staying within the velvet ropes. <laughs> it is, if it's not clear to you, and it, I believe it is to our entire audience and to you, Aaron, that January 6th is, was nothing but essentially a Reichstag fire event that they are trying to use media manipulation to make into something that it was not. For political, for cynical political gain, then you're an idiot, and I think a lot of liberals are idiots. I also think that they are being so heavily propagandized and lied to by shows exactly like this that how many liberals go? Well, everybody I trust and who I get my information from is all unanimous that it was this horrible coup attempt. That it must have been. My my eyes doth deceive have deceived me. I I simply saw some people protesting outside the White House, like I saw all those other people protesting throughout the rest of 2020. But mine eyes hath lied, and it was truly some sort of our violent coup attempt that we that America barely escaped from unscathed. And that's why I think the vast majority of people, liberals included, don't care about January 6th because it is so blatantly obvious that it is being twisted and manipulated for political gain. I think most liberals don't want to think about January 6th because then they would have to reconcile with the fact that they know their own side is inflating something disingenuously for political gain and they don't do that because they're the good guys so they don't think about january 6th and when people mention january 6th they may like abortion give some sort of hand wave at parties like oh yeah that was totally awful but at the end of the day it didn't affect them it didesn't achieve anything and everyone knows that it's being overinflated and played up by the media so it doesn't play i don't think it plays with their voters i think when you tell a bunch of democrats who are paying higher prices for getting higher prices for food that are just trying to go about their daily life, work their jobs, raise their kids, you know, pay off their mortgages to care about January over their real world concerns and increasing anxiety about the future. It falls completely flat with Democrat voters. They might say something. If you ever corner a Democrat voter and ask them about it, they'll of course give the party response, but in their daily life, they do not think about January 6th or care about it in the slightest. They might be superficially worried, like, oh, I don't really want Republicans to take control of things. And you go, well, why is that? Well, they probably will do stuff I don't like. Okay, specifically what? I don't know. I think most Democrat voters don't really know what they can't articulate why a Republican victory would be bad. They've been told it isn't, but because they can't articulate why it would be bad, I think that the their energy in opposing it isn't going to be very high. Their energy to supporting women's rights is just not going to be there. Their energy towards getting out and stopping these people that are election deniers, that energy isn't going to be there. I interact with Democrats often, and I do not get the sense from those interactions that they really are on board or paying attention to politics anymore. So all of these things have to have some, some ramification and some result. 
and I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be. The crazy part, too, is when you're saying, like, there was an attempted coup, and now we get to look at the two years of the Biden presidency and Democrat Party rule, where their main focus, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but, like, you all have seen it. Their main focus is the weirdest, craziest stuff. First of all, they destroyed the economy. Then they lied to you about it. Second of all, you're making less money no matter what. Everyone is struggling more. Things cost more money. You have made less money. Everyone knows they're lying. They blatantly lie. I have a really great lie that, I'm a, that I'll throw up in a second as part of our audio uh, stuff here. And then the primary focus, it seems, from the cultural level, the activist level, and everything else from Democrats is... But what about drag queens in your schools? But what about taking kids away from their parents so we can uh, mute, like mutilate their genitals? What about uh, less like lessening the uh, restrictions on pedophilia? What about using the FBI to hide the Biden family corruption? What about arresting? our uh, political opponents for stupid reasons. What about uh, putting Steve Bannon in jail for four months, sending him to prison for four months because he refused a congressional subpoena, which by the way, Democrats did the entire time throughout the Trump presidency. I feel like the actual thing that resonates with a lot of Americans is, God, I wish the coup were successful. Yeah, if it was a coup attempt, then I'm only upset that it didn't succeed. Right, because look at what the other, we get to see what the other side was. So I think at the end of the day, this nonsense bullshit that's being pushed out by the media is going to very easily turn into people going, we should have a better coup plan. (laughs) Right, I think at the end, and I would big piggyback onto that. I think all of this is hugely energizing to the resistance against Democrat rule movement. Let's, it's not even Republican. It's not even really conservative anymore. I could broadly just say as a is whatever the resistance to the current world order is, whatever resistance to the Democrat global pol- globalist policies, that resistance is energized more now than it ever has been. And the popular support for this sort of Democrat world order is at an all-time low. Mm -hmm. Those people are checked out of politics and the people on the opposite side opposing it are more engaged with politics than they ever have been. Now, I'm going to play another clip also from MSNBC. Like I said, most of this is from them. Um, And I want you to listen to the rhetoric and I think everyone's going to get where I took Chris Hayes and now I'm taking... This is is a, a gentleman named Anna... Girada Haradis. I don't know if I got that right. Doesn't matter. That's not a real name. Um, That's a fake name. Who who wrote a book, and uh, he was on Morning Joe uh, talking about his book. And I want you to listen to the rhetoric he uses, and think about this Chris Hayes clip that we just played, uh, because I think it's it, what it's going to show you is where the rhetoric of the Democrat Party is going, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how they might prepare for what they'll do after Republicans sweep Congress. Here's that clip. There is right now an anti-democracy side and a pro-democracy side in American life. It's very simple. It's not about party ID at this point. It is about whether you are for continued and expanded liberal democracy or not. 
And the, mm -hmm. the pro-democracy side is hamstrung by a belief that simply doing the right thing and standing for the right thing in its imagination is self-explanatory. That people will gravitate to you if you're doing the right thing on Ukraine or doing the right thing for inflation or doing the right thing in policy as you see it. And the argument of the persuaders. Is Real quick, I just want to take a pause. I want you to realize that the way that this is just framed is if you are pro-democracy, he just gave you a checklist for what you have to agree with. Understand yeah. that. Pro-democracy is a checklist. It's, it is not a negotiation. It is not a negotiation. Pro-democracy equates to agreeing with everything the liberals want in all of these areas. Economy, Ukraine, everything else. Okay? So, so just understand that that's the frame that this guy's that this that this guy's working from. Is that in fact the pro-democracy side right now is not winning. And it's not just not winning because of rigging and big lies, as Jonathan has covered, and, and, and voter suppression and, you know, state election officials who, who toy with things. Although that He just claimed that elections are rig rigged. He just claimed that it's, there's a bunch of lies. He just, he, he's claiming that there's voter suppression. <laughs> Interesting, because that used to be anti-democracy. It's very real and very dangerous and serious. Yes. I don't think it's, if you look at these polls, you're just asking people on the street, it is a dead heat between God. democracy and fascism. And so I set out in the persuaders to ask why I got tired of despairing watching this show and all the excellent coverage of this descent towards fascism and authoritarianism. And, and, and why is this happening? And why are we relegated to despairing about it? And I got tired of my own despair and decided to spend the last couple of years reporting on people who are showing another way, particularly organizers working on the ground in communities across this country, outside the limelight, activists, political leaders, scientists. There's a cult deprogrammer in the book, because as you have covered on this show, we are there with millions of our fellow citizens. And I tried to learn from them what the pro-democracy movement can do, starting right now, to beat back the authoritarian menace to save American democracy. Uh, a cult I feel like programmer. Democracy be, is never used, is used as a cover term in this. It's used as a way to, I don't know, fool people into not supporting democracy. Like, well, it's like democracy is basically just a catch all for the liberal, the neoliberal world order. And I think that's what they're really upset about. They're worried their gravy train of nonsense global globalism is going to come to an end. And they're trying to scare people saying, well, that's democracy is, is, is going to go away. And I think the at the end of the day, at least to me, every time he says democracy, my support for democracy decreases one little notch. It's like right. if... If letting people like him get to decide the political future of my country after the disasters they have overseen, if that is democracy, then democracy is not something that I want. It is not yeah. something that is in my interest, and it is only going to serve to further the ruination of my homeland. The He made sure to mention a cult D programmer. Oh. And he said, you know, the, there's the, the millions of people that I'm, I'm sure we're all aware of. A, a deprogrammer? You, I'm sorry, uh, democracy requires deprogramming? Has there ever been a time 
that anyone has ever thought that democracy seems to require deprogramming of people? <laughs> I don't know. Um, like, my God. First of all, how do you not know you're a psychopath? Like, this right? guy knows he's a psychopath, right? Well, he knows his audience. I would say I would give him that. <laughs> he knows his audience. <laughs> that's that's a very good that's a very good way to say that. Yes. <laughs> Are you? And and it's a dead heat, and you hear Mika Brzezinski in the back. Oh oh god oh god god almighty! Oh, oh, for no. God's sakes, just you know I I I'm. I, People might misinterpret this and get upset and just stop being stupid. I, I hope they won't. I almost guarantee I, you our listeners will not get upset or misinterpret this. Yeah, that's true. Um, I hope they're right. I hope everything that they're afraid of is true. I, I hope we win and it's just as bad as they say it's going to be because that might be the only way to fix it. Yeah. That I, might be the only way to fix it. It might have to be authoritarian. It might have to be fascist. I honestly, I don't care what name you give it. These people should not ever have power again. They are psychopaths. They are complete yeah, and total psychopaths. They want to deprogram you because they don't like your thoughts. They want to force you to vote a certain way by saying that that's what democracy is. They think that starting World War III is a good thing. They think that you being poor is a good thing. They think that your children being wards of the state and removed from the family is a good thing. I don't care what word you use to call the opposite of that bad. I'm for it 100%. Yeah, these very same people, not too long ago, their version of democracy was making sure that you would be forced to be injected with drugs against your will. Mm -hmm. That's their version of democracy. And as such, I find myself on the opposite, opposite of that. Whatever these people want is bad for me and it needs to be opposed at every turn. Oh yeah. The CDC this week uh, wants to make the COVID vaccine part of the required vaccinations for kids to enter schools, even though they've admitted that it doesn't protect against COVID. It doesn't protect against COVID. And it is in fact, dangerous to children, especially young men, mm -hmm. well, probably dangerous to everyone, but it, it, it increases the risks of a dangerous cardiac damage to a large degree. In fact, it's it is something like it a large a, a large percentage or at least a large number of people that took the COVID vac, which they COVID vaccine, which they have delivered to something like ninety percent of the U.S. population, are currently walking around with subclinical levels of cardiac damage because of the vaccine. And that's that is a truth fact. That is a absolute fact of this vaccine that was never trialed, never tested, never given true scientific evaluation before it was essentially all but mandated to the populace. People were fired from their jobs for not taking it. People suffered harsh ramifications by, gov by the government for not taking it. People couldn't get organ transplants for not taking it. This, this is their democracy. 
This is the version of democracy that they are trying to preserve at all costs. And as such, I don't want that. Whatever their version of democracy is, I don't want. I know it's so weird, Alan, just real, real quick on that whole vaccine thing. I mean, you know, myocarditis and, and some of these other other issues. I mean, we shouldn't give children the vax because if if not giving them the vax saves at least one life, isn't it worth it? Wasn't that the bullshit emotional appeal they used for everybody getting vaccinated? How come it doesn't work in reverse? Well, like I think it doesn't work in reverse because like everything, it's all disingenuous. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. Um, last audio clip and then I'll get into the actual real scary parts uh, of what what I'm what I'm concerned about. And then we'll get into the other stories. Uh, for the week. Uh, Stacey Abrams uh, wanted to let everybody know uh, how to fix inflation or, or what she thinks would be, would have been the cure for inflation, just so everyone uh, can kind of understand. This is um, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor in Georgia uh, and is not slated to win at all. And I'm sure she's going to claim that the election was stolen because it'll be okay then. Um, but uh, here's what she has to say about inflation. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. <laughs> That's a bold take. <laughs> Just... God damn. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, so if you just kill your about... if you just kill your kids, then you don't have to worry about gas prices. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Bold choice. That's what that's what the side of democracy. Um uh side of fascism. What is your retort? Uh yeah, you shouldn't have to kill your kids to afford gas. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let's put it to a vote. Which side do we which side should win? Uh the kill your kids to afford gas or the none of this is necessary fascism side. <laughs> right? <laughs> Holy god. Like Now understand. Uh <laughs> Stacey Abrams Stacey Abrams is one of the heroes of the Democrat Party. This is this is part of the bench for the presidency. She was the president of Earth in Star Trek. Oh, God, that's right. Ugh. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it, it's like we can't write satire this good. Yeah, everything cool is now cringe and lame. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's I, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole because we don't have enough time in the program. But... When you have the media in lockstep, basically setting their arguments as everything is great, nothing is wrong, people are stupid, and the vote, the upcoming midterm vote is between fascism or democracy, this is a recipe for civil unrest. Yeah, it's a recipe now, for civil strife. Uh, what I mean by that is Republicans are going to sweep Congress pending. Republicans are going to sweep Congress. The liberal activists are going to start burning things down. They will foment a real coup. They will threaten the lives of actual elected representatives. They will 
go after and burn down churches. They are going to go after and continue to burn down pregnancy clinics. Yeah. They are going I to remember, attack. Mm-hmm. I remember after the Roe v. Wade decision by this. Actually, I remember after the Roe v. Wade leak in the Supreme Court, there were threats on the lives of Supreme Court justices. Yes. Yes. I can only imagine that sort of thing is going to get worse as as Republicans have more and more electoral victories. As the side of, quote, anti-democracy and fascism tries to save the country, the people trying to destroy it are going to get more and more hysterical. The liberal left is currently justifying violence against their political opponents. It is going yeah. to occur if there is a Republican sweep in Congress, they are going to commit absolute violence. And unfortunately, I, I, I understand we're all going to sit here and go, oh, come on. You had a whole committee for January 6th where people wandered around the Capitol. These people just tried to murder Rand Paul again. And yeah. they're going to be like, that was a lone wolf. And it was probably, I, I actually, you know, what's really going to happen when they first what's kick that? off, when it first kicks off, they're going to say, it's actually probably Republican activists pretending to be Antifa. Yeah. It's a Republican false flag. Yep. That is, that is, by the way, as this is all pending the idea that uh, the Biden administration doesn't detonate a dirty bomb in Ukraine to blame the Russians, declare nuclear war, and suspend the election. Well, as part of that, the 101st Airborne Division is doing large-scale military exercises right across the border from Ukraine. And the very not-so-subtle message is they are standing ready to intervene and put U.S. boots on ground in Ukraine should the U.S. government feel it's necessary. So the, the, the tensions... Oh, and U.S. spy planes are routinely flying or uh, flying around the, the Polish border, transmitting information to the Ukrainian government and directing Ukrainian airstrikes, which is, it's an act of war in everything. It's an act of, the only reason it's not an act of war is because the Russians have chosen not to make it one, which is a very, very dangerous set of affairs. If the Russian government wants to declare the United States a complicit belligerent in the conflict and absolutely complicit in the death of numerous russian soldiers they have every reason every ability to do so and it seems like the height of madness to just keep goading them into this mm -hmm. for ukraine there's no benefit to i can't see any benefit to the average american for the war in ukraine it, it's utterly ridiculous and we are just wasting so much money for nothing just because our ruling class on this has this view that the american hegemon needs to expand into ukraine at the expense of american blood at the expense of american treasure and probably soon blood american blood do you think the biden administration would care about sending americans to their death to protect their bio labs in ukraine to protect their money laundering operations in ukraine would Joe Biden send American soldiers to their deaths in Ukraine? Would he risk Russian retaliation around the world for to protect his business interests in Ukraine, where he, he was getting a lot of money funneled to him by Ukrainian oligarchs through his son? 
Would he? What would Joe Biden do to protect all of that gravy train and the rest of his party, who I'm sure has also been bleeding Ukraine dry for money through corruption? How much? Of, what would they do in order to protect that? What what harm would they do to America? What what risks would they be willing to take when they will not suffer from them? I mean, it's an awful lot of risk just for 10% for the big guy. Exactly. Now, interestingly though, how worried do you think Russia is about Ukraine or about US troop involvement when special operations forces had to lower their requirements for the sake of diversity. Yeah. So this is one of the things that came out this week was, I believe it was a big article uh, on the future of special forces and how the diversity amongst special forces, especially the leadership of the United States, United States special operations command needed to be more diverse. And I think the big quote that a lot of people, myself included, were picking up on was the quote that, Special Forces is going to need to promote people it wouldn't ordinarily promote into leadership positions in order to make things more diverse. And it is going to have to accept a degradation, a temporary degradation capability to ensure its diversity goals. Why? Uh, Because white people have have too much power in the special operations community and that makes them very nervous so we need to deliberately make special operations weaker so we can do a vogue spread of a black woman wearing a soft patch that's also part of it but it also is a way to ensure the loyalty of the special operations command Uh... that it can't be hijacked in the event of, say, continuing oppression of everyday Americans. I think they looked at the American military and went, wow, a lot of these guys really support Trump. Oh, boy, we need to do everything we can to make sure that Trump supporters are not in the leadership hierarchy of Special Operations Command. And the way we're going to do that is promoting diversity, because we all know that minorities will just always vote Democrat. Yeah, the reality is, is that we need to make sure that there's a bunch of shit libs in special operations forces. So when Republicans sweep Congress, we can use soft to kill our uh, political opposition. Yeah, either that or we can ensure that soft won't be turned against us. Yeah. I think I think they are terrified that there's going to be Nuremberg 2.0 after all the people that have been killed by the vaccine, after all the destruction of the American economy over the last couple of years, over their their destruction of American foreign policy over the last couple of years. They they deserve a Nuremberg 2.0 that sends these people to jail for the rest that all these people jail for the rest of life from Fauci to Biden to Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. They know they deserve that, and they are increasingly paranoid that it's becoming likely. So now, is there going to be a similar thing? Like uh, another article that you had brought up was uh, the Royal Air Force decided that it wanted to diversify, and a bunch of their pilots went to China. Yeah. So the Royal Air Force in Britain, of the UK, the Royal Air Force announced that they were placing a moratorium on recruiting white men. 
and uh, and this was earlier this year. They said, well, we know to make the force more diverse, it is a moratorium on recruiting or promoting white men. And then the last week, it was suddenly suddenly learned that a bunch of Royal Air Force pilots, I think uh, for, formerly serving pilots, that had left the Royal Air Force recently, were now being paid, were now accepting high-paying jobs as consultants to the Chinese military. Where, they're, where they were being paid for their skills and experience with the Royal Air Force and Western Air Force capabilities to help the Chinese build their own Air Force. And people in said, well, that's off. They're traitors. It's like they were betrayed by their own country. Why, why would they feel any allegiance to the UK after admis admissions like that? Mm -hmm. Things like that would be are basically nice. The UK government saying, we hate you. We don't like these sorts of people. We don't like white men and want to make sure they are less powerful and less capable and have less opportunities. And why would any of these people, why would any white men in the Royal Air Force feel any sort of patriotism towards the UK government anymore? Yeah. And it, this kind of backlash is exactly what we're going to get more and more of as these regimes get more and more hyperbolic in trying to prevent any reform of these broken systems. Just, wow. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, don't support, I, don't, I don't support the It's absolutely a ridiculous of, state of affairs. I don't support the idea of, of helping China out at all, but it is a difficult argument to make to tell I'm, what I'm also not going to do is turn around and tell some uh, somebody in the Royal Air Force that they need to continue supporting a country that actively spits on them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like if someone in U.S. if 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 someone if the Chinese came and said, you know, listen, like the U.S. government is clearly not your friend. They're clearly take doing everything everything they can to target you and work against you they've labeled people with your skin color simply for advocating for your people of your skin color as the number one terror threat why would you have why would you feel any loyalty to that group of people anymore mm -hmm. and i think that's the risk we are increasingly running that's the risk that all of these liberal policies are increasingly creating is it is creating a level of division and cynicism within within the country that all ba all bonds of loyalty and patriotism are rapidly going to start to dissolve at the higher level and people might say well i might be patriotic towards my state or towards the, the conservatives but i feel no sense of unity or brotherhood with any of these progressives or liberals so why would i care about preserving their democracy about preserving their world order about preserving the things that they care about, whatever they care about, they their mind they've said they have decided and positioned themselves that and stated constantly they are that I am their enemy. Well, if I am their enemy, then they're my enemy, and anything that they want and is good for them is probably something I should oppose. What's insane and, about that? Sorry. Yeah. To 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 that point that you just made, <clears throat> we saw something really interesting this week as well in Dearborn. And the liberal yes. reaction, I think, is even more incredible, which is Muslim families and other families joining together against a school board because they don't want smut peddled to their young children. They don't want pornography. Understand this. 
the liberals are saying, oh my God, you're talking about burning books. That's what Hitler did. This is yeah. their re- this is the the liberal reaction is yeah. you're being literally Hitler if you don't want porn given to an elementary school student. Well, hilariously, that actually is true because the one of the first big Nazi book burnings was to burn the t- library of the transgender gender studies department of Berlin University. So they're actually being relatively honest, surprisingly, there when they say, if you oppose the trans agenda, it means you're literally a Nazi. It's like, well, the Nazis did stand against the trans agenda. So there is some truth to your statement. (laughs) But you, you, you read a comment from an angry liberal that was mad at the Muslims in, which by the way, none of this is surprising. Like we, we, None of this should surprise anybody who knows literally anything about Islam. But there was a, you you read a comment to me from an angry liberal that was mad at Muslims for betraying them. Yeah. So there was a lot of great clips came out of this, the series of school board meetings in Dearborn between parents and the school board over the transgender and LGBT curriculum that they were teaching in the schools and it was relatively fascinating to watch because the christians and muslims were getting together saying yeah we have our religious differences but we both agree that this is that you should not peddle this nonsense to our children and the liberal teachers and other liberal and some liberal parents were defending it saying basically like everyone's a nazi you're all nazis out there and there was at least one clip of a liberal it was unclear whether it was a parent or a teacher a liberal saying admonishing the muslim parents that showed up saying we fought the right wing for your right to come here you should be grateful and (laughs) it's like you should let us teach this harmful confusing evil nonsense to your children because we fought the right wing and and allowed you to come here and it's it's like you should be grateful to us like uh so yeah like we saved you people from having to live in your horrible countries so you should be grateful and let us teach your children a bunch of gender nonsense right but the great replacement is a conspiracy right yeah exactly we brought you here to vote for this shit. What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. We brought you here to vote against these these Republicans, and now you're siding with them. How dare How you? How dare you? <laughs> you should know your place. Yeah, know your place, darkie. <laughs> Damn. That's, I just, oh, that's so funny. And, and of course, your reaction to it with the, the admonishment was, you know, this is actually how you build an American Taliban. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's like if they if they keep pushing this stuff in especially Muslim communities, you're going to get a reaction. And it's not going to be the Christian reaction of the essentially neutered Christian reaction of, well, if I come out against this too harshly, people will call me racist. So I'm just going to quietly seethe about it and be upset. You're going to get a bunch of Muslims that go, I've only been in the country 10 years. Um, my brother is a jihadist in wherever. 
And he told me on the phone that I should just go to this teacher's house and cut her head off. And that's seeming like a pretty good idea. Like, you're going to get a movement of Muslims that starts probably be, possibly being violent. And I don't think that liberals are not prepared for that. I mean, we tried to warn them. Yeah. It's like, it's... <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous to watch, and I don't think that liberals have the capacity to correct the errors before they multiply to that point. Now, at the at, at the same, um, it's just that's incredible. But but heading into the last ten minutes of, of the program, one thing that I, I absolutely have to have to point out is. is I thought that this was satire, and then I realized it wasn't. There was an article that literally said, to defend Ukraine, we have to declare war on Iran. And I want, I want, yeah. I want to preface this real quick, which, which is, I, I mentioned earlier in the program, Bill Kristol and the Never Trump, Trump people and, and all of that, how they used to write policy. Well, during the Obama administration, Bill Crystal's big thing before he was revealed as a sham and a fake Republican and, and a fake conservative, his big push was that we needed to go to war with Iran. This was very, very, very important to Bill Crystal and his like weird, gross DC elite people. Yeah, was that sort we needed... of Israel first policies. Right. And now they're trying to backdoor a war with Iran through all this Ukraine nonsense. Right. And it's just absolute insanity. I mean, I, we don't need to belabor the point here, but Ukraine is not worth any of this. Yeah. It's just not. No. The wheat fields aren't worth it. Zelensky certainly isn't worth it. This yep. is complete insanity. These people are, are are potentially bringing about the end of the world for a corrupt, garbage Soviet country. Yeah, it's a third world dictatorship. Yes, they are not. Zelensky, the bastion of democracy has outlawed opposing political parties, has outlawed independent media, is using his military to murder his opposition. Yeah. And has Within been for Civilian. years. Yes. And has been for years, for years that Americans don't know about because the liberal media didn't tell you. Right. I mean, and the... The entire point of this war was Russia saying Ukraine should be neutral and the United States saying, no, we need to grab it and make it part of NATO. Mm -hmm. all, all we had to do was just not do that. Just say, well, why do we need Ukraine as part of NATO? It's going to cause a massive conflict with the Russians. And in their arrogance, the neocons and neoliberals like all said, no, we can, we'll just do this. Russia won't, will, Russia can't hurt us in any way. 
Russia will never act, will never react. There's not going to be anything that happens. Nothing bad's going to happen because we know with everything. We're, we're so, so, so smart. And then Russia invaded. And Russia has now taken large chunks of eastern Ukraine. There are, in fact, more regions of Ukraine under Russian control that are right now having their own referendums on whether or not to join Russia. And what, what doesn't matter what you think of these referendums, whether you think they're being conducted fairly or honestly or, you know, if their results are something that should be listened to or not. What matters is that there's no response. It's like these a bunch of areas voted voted to join Russia and they have. The international community, you know, the UN says, well, we don't really recognize it. But China abstained from that vote. Iran abstained from that vote. A lot of countries abstained from that vote on whether or not to recognize these areas as actual Russian territory. And Russia doesn't care because Russia's just going ahead and just saying like, well, regardless of what you say or don't say, you're not going to take, you're not going to mobilize your forces to take these back. So they're ours. And well, that's it. What's anyone going to do? All we yeah. had to do was allow Ukraine to be neutral. And instead we couldn't, they couldn't help themselves. They wanted to have their own little corrupt playground. And here we are. I don't know what the way forward from this is other than increasing the level of conflict. But I think that they want World War III because in their arrogance, they think it's we can win it. Well, in, And the reason in, they, now they're saying, well, we need to go to war with Ukraine or uh, go to war with Iran. Pardon me is because Iran started selling a bunch of, is selling a bunch of weapons to Russia. And so it's, it's, it is frustrating because I look at this and go, wait, so Iran selling weapons to Russia for use in Ukraine justifies a declaration of war against Iran, but America can sell lethal aid to Ukraine until the cows come home. And we're going to act like we're victims. If anyone has takes issue with that. We can blow up the Nord Stream pipelines and then be upset that people think that America's a belligerent in the conflict? Weird. <laughs> like I said, I think the people that are running the show, people that are running the country, on the left or right, is this sort of globalist world order that absolutely is using democracy as a ploy and is operating in a way that is dangerous and harmful to, the, to everyday Americans and the future of the United States. Do you think that Israel's refusal to send money and arms to Ukraine is going to cause a schism among a lot of these people? It should, but I don't think it will. I think that they will ignore that because a lot of this, and a lot of this, I think, is Israel's <coughs> core of a lot of this. A lot of these people have ties to Israel because it's part of their big globalist project. Right. Well, and that, that's what's interesting. I think, I think ignoring it is extremely telling because any other country that's refused to get involved has been like roundly demonized and punished. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that is interesting. Israel refusing to provide lethal arms to Ukraine. So, any well, idea why? Is, is Israel picking a side? Why Ooh, would Israel pick the side of Russia? I, I when the reality is Israel has a large amount of interest in both Russia and China. Israel plays both sides of a lot of these things because they're not officially part of either the Western or Eastern bloc. Now, I will say that there is also another reasonable 
uh, way to look at it and likely the excuse that will be used to let Israel get away with it, which is, I, I say this specifically because understand, um, first of all, if anyone wants to react with it's anti-Semitic to uh, question Israel, you're playing into the liberal game. I would um, say Israel, Israel officially is a secular country and they are not a officially Israel, um, Jewish country. They're a secular country. If they want to change that and then my criticisms can be anti-Semitic, fine, but they would have to then admit that they are in fact a Jewish ethnostate and the, their official position is that they are not. Right. So my criticisms of Israel are secular criticisms of the foreign policy of a nation state. That's to, you know, stave off some of the neocons who get really upset when we say anything bad about Israel, because we're not allowed to do that, mm -hmm. apparently. But Kanye West is wrong about that. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, <laughs> it's a bad joke. Um, the point that I do want to make is uh, one of the reasons that we're going to be given, and there is some validity to it, is if Israel starts giving aid to Ukraine, it will give an excuse to Iran to be belligerent towards Israel. Exactly. Yeah. And that's true. But, but that didn't stop any other country from being dragged into this because there are bordering countries with Russia that were basically told that they have to, they have to pick a side ones that Russia can roll tanks right into if they wanted, they were still told that they had to pick a side. Yeah. So it shouldn't matter because it doesn't matter for anybody else. Yeah. I remember I, seeing a journalistic articles accusing, accusing Switzerland mm -hmm. of being Putin puppets because Switzerland was maintaining its policy of neutrality and not sending lethal aid to Ukraine. Yep. Fascinating. <clears throat> yeah. Now, one last little news piece while we're while we finish out the show here and don't forget I'll, I'll repeat it again next sunday we are going to be doing our halloween special and that's where we're going to start talking about paranormal stuff and i'm very excited about it and uh if if you're not well don't tune in i guess but that would be a huge mistake on your part so send us any of your stories if you have a good ghost story something that's happened to you or something that goes on in your town send it to us at contact at wrongthinkradio.com so we can read it live on air while we go through some of the other fun paranormal stuff and celebrate the coming of halloween but one last thing that is also just equally as scary for a terrible segue into what i was about to talk about um any of you that are seeing any of the stuff about Alex Jones, who needs to pay, what is it, like one gajillion dollars or whatever? Something um, about, about that, yeah. I want to point out the truth of this story that also shows the theater and nonsense that is the judicial system with liberals in charge. There is a cap on how much well, okay, Alex Jones can actually pay. Mm-hmm. Real quick, so the families in the in the case against Alex Jones, who have already been awarded by a judge one billion dollars, uh, have just asked the judge for two point seven trillion dollars in restitution from Alex Jones, and I guess I'm uh, it's unclear whether or not the judge has essentially allowed this to be 
judiciated in court. It, I need people to understand. Obviously, this is just funny money. That like that no one's ever going to get awarded that money. Yeah. It's like Second, Alex Jones does not have the GDP of the United States in his back pocket to just slap on the table. Right. Secondarily, um there are caps already in place in current law that's that stated how much and I thought it came out to be like one and a half million. Like the reality, no matter what number the judge came up with, mm-hmm. it would actually only ever be something like one and a half million dollars because there's right. caps in, in Texas under Texas law. There are caps to how much restitution can be paid. There right. is some tap dancing legally going on where they're going to attempt to use some sort of obscure law to go after, to, to get rid of those caps. I want everyone to understand that the point of this isn't to get monetary restitution for pain and suffering. This is entirely, we need to bankrupt Alex Jones. Right. Now, regardless of how you feel about Sandy Hook, regardless of how you feel about things that were said or not said, I'm going to repeat the thing that I constantly say, which is I have never once seen anyone share a clip with regards to what they claim Alex Jones has said. I don't watch Alex Jones. I've seen plenty of times for years him defend his position and say, like, all I did was research whether or not it could have been a false flag. I even determined it was not. I've seen that. What I've never seen is the supposed clips, these supposed clips of people going to houses and saying, Alex Jones sent me here. You're a crisis. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because people get emotional. They clutch at their pearls. They wet their panties. We're not allowed to talk about it. We're supposed to just let liberals go after somebody uh, for their free speech and then charge them billions of dollars. And even Republicans are like, that's a good thing because he's bad and mean. You're all pussies for that. It doesn't matter how you feel about Alex Jones. Yeah, he's weird. I've heard some of his stuff. He's a little weird. It doesn't matter. You people are pussies and they're going to come for you next. The point that I want to make is this is all just targeting somebody. And all it leads me to believe is there's something dangerous about Alex Jones against the regime. Yeah. It makes me then question. It's like if there's this level of of counter reaction to Alex Jones, then clearly he's on to something. It's like if the people that I hate and think lie all the time are going to marshal this kind of force against a guy who's saying crazy stuff about how these evil evil globalists are doing whatever. All it's doing is making me more skeptical that he's right on yeah, something. I, the same thing. Steve Bannon, four months in prison because he's like defied a congressional subpoena for a joke theater of a committee. That's never happened. Yeah. When, who was the last person that went, that was put in jail for contempt of Congress? It's like Hillary Clinton was sm- and her aides were smashing their cell phones so they couldn't be investigated by Congress, and Congress gave them all immunity. Mm-hmm. So forgive me for being a little skeptical that any of this is actually on the up and up. Well, and and, and I need to remind everybody that th- it was the January 6th panel that was calling Steve Bannon, who was no longer a member of the presidential administration, hadn't been for like a year or more. Wh- why are they calling him in front? Why are they calling him in front of the committee? Because he has a podcast, guys. Yeah. 
So you have Alex Jones and they're going after him for, you know, a gurgillion dollars. Then you have Steve Bannon, who they throw in prison for four or sentenced to prison for four months. What, what is the commonality between these guys? Uh, they have podcasts. They have radio shows that talk about things the regime doesn't like. Yeah. And again, nothing makes me more skeptical that they're on the right track than the regime's reaction to them. It's, it's like simply, if you're taking flack, you're over target. Yeah. Yeah. All, all you're doing, all you're doing in any of this, I want people to understand it's, it's not a support for, it's not a defense of, doesn't matter. We don't need to have that debate. Why are they so afraid of these people? There's something there. That is their suspicious. Yeah. Their reaction suggests there's something there. But that's going to have to be it. Like I said, join us for our Halloween special next week. It's going to be awesome. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next week.